0: Thank you, brother. Y'all heard Edward say that I'm to preach an hour up here, right? I think that's what he said. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate it. Appreciate the singing. Um, beloved, you know, because of the flowers and everything going away, we, our, our, Sunday night attendance, our Sunday morning attendance back is just down, you know. People are kind of afraid to come out yet, some of them. And, and so uh, we have to kind of compensate for that, right? Uh, kind of sing a little more vigorously, and I appreciate y'all doing that. Uh, but Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, uh, there I am in the midst of them. Now, I'm no mathematician, but I think we have a little more than two or three here this evening. Uh, so we appreciate it very, very much. I want to talk about this, our ambition. Okay, what is our ambition? What's your ambition to be? You know, what is your ambition, which is a, an overriding desire, something that you want more than anything else. There's several things we could name that we would like to have. Um, and, and so what is your ambition? Do you have one? Do you have any... I talked to a folk today, brethren, and I say, what is your real deep desire? What are your real deep goals for this life? And it surprises me the number of people, many of them younger, because maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do yet. But but a lot of younger folk will say something like, you know, I really don't know. And and so what is your ambition? Several answers could be given from a spiritual standpoint, of course. Um, Our ambition should be to seek and share the lost. To share, to share our faith, to, to carry out the Great Commission. It, it should be part of our ambition to know God more personally, more intimately, more closely. Maybe to serve God and, and to serve others through, through serving God. Uh, I, it should be a goal to overcome the sin and temptation in our life, to grow in Christ, to, go, to always press towards spiritual maturity, to keep God's commands, to deny self, to become more committed, more deeply committed to the Lord, to be willing to sacrifice more, to uh, raise our families in such a way, raise our children in such a way that they will remain faithful to the Lord and also raise their children, your grandchildren in Christ. Um, All these are very noble goals, and, of course, to get to heaven, as always an ambition or ought to be. And so, brethren, all those, although many great people in the Bible that we can read about did many of these things? These were not—I uh, I should say—these are the natural results of a certain motive that they had. And and I believe, as you study God's word, you see that this ambition, what their ambition was, to be pleasing to God. And if you and if you make that your ambition, you you're going to do a lot of these other things, right? In doing this, you know, they 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 uh, practice the things that we just mentioned—the list that we gave about what should be a Christian's ambition. I think these were the natural result of striving to please God. And I think this should be our ambition today. We're going to be looking at the scriptural basis for this in very, uh, uh, very quickly. But you know a small child, especially when that young kid is younger, they eagerly seek to please their parents, don't they? Now, when they get in their teens, they think they know more than mom and dad, you know, and all. They go through the stupid years, you know. Then they come back around later. As teenagers, I'm not getting on to you. I did the exact same thing. Some of you think I'm still stuck there, but... but, but you know, we we this should be our ambition. A little, you look at little children. Man, they they want to be like their parents. I adored my daddy. My brothers adored our daddy. We, you know, he was a big man, and and and, and boy, we just hung on every word he said. He could tell the funniest stories in the world, and 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 uh, we wanted to be like daddy. Nobody was forcing us to be that way. We wanted to be that way, you know, and. Uh, and, you know, you, you hear, there's poems and everything, and you hear kids even say something like, I want to be just like my dad, you know? And, and so, brothers and sisters, we, we need to have that same attitude towards our Heavenly Father. Ephesians 5, 1 tells us this, that therefore be imitators of God, how, in what way? As beloved children. Children love their parents and want to imitate them, and that should be a natural response to us as Christians when we understand everything that God has done for us and how much He loves us. It should become natural for us as we learn of His great and love, His great love and mercy and compassion, all the many blessings, brothers and sisters. There's not a reason in the world not to love God, not one, and many, so many, to do so and to be try to be well pleasing to Him. John 8, 29, Jesus himself, while he was on this earth, said this, And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus, as the Son, wanted to please the Heavenly Father. Now, he was perfect, so he always, everything that he did was pleasing to God. We see in one instance when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John, and he said, I'm sorry, as he come up out of the water, the Spirit uh, landed on him as a dove and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so then, brothers and sisters, that was Jesus' goal while on the earth. It ought to be ours as well. Paul's ambition was that, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore also having as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to He's talking, if you look at the um, first few verses of that chapter, he's talking there about his desire to depart from this earthly body, earthly tent, as he calls it, and to go and to be with the Lord because it's so much better to be with the Lord than away from the Lord while we're still in this physical body. But he said, you know what, whether we're at home, meaning here or absent, or at home in heaven or absent from the body, we want to be pleasing to God, okay? And, And so Paul said, that's our ambition, he says. Our ambition is to do that, brothers and sisters, to please God, whether you're on earth or in heaven. Too many Christians' ambition um, seem to be towards other things, sometimes even worldly and perishable things that's not going to last. Pleasing God is not a priority for them. And it ought to be for all of us, brothers and sisters. And you say, okay, if pleasing God was Paul's ambition, then what about that long list you gave Brother Green? Did Paul not do those things? No, I think he did them, and he did them because he wanted to please God. You say, was Paul a soul winner? What does he say in 1 Corinthians 9, 19? For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win the more. You can study the book of Acts and see the, whole, the, 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 the many people that, that Paul brought to Christ, brothers and sisters. So his ambition to please God caused him to do that. Did he know God intimately? Did he have that close relationship that God wants with his people? In Philippians 3, 8 through 10, he explains there that he had suffered the loss of all worldly materials and counted them as dung in order that he could gain Christ and know God. And he added his sufferings. And so yes, he did. <coughs> Was he able to keep God's commands and serve God? First Corinthians fifteen ten. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored in him even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. And so brothers and sisters, Paul labored more than all these accusers that he had and, and he was a worker for the Lord. Did he strive to overcome sin? In First Corinthians 9:27, he said he says, I buffet or I, I buffet or I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I predict, preach to others I myself will not be disqualified. So he did all these things, brothers and sisters, that, that we need to be doing as well. But what caused him to do all this? His ambition, he says, was to be well pleasing to the Lord. Beloved, <clears throat> as God's children, it ought to please us to please him. We ought to, that ought to be a great goal of ours. But he didn't make any of these things we're discussing uh, his ambition. His ambition was to please his God, and the and these were, I believe, the natural results of his determination to please his heavenly father. So we have, brethren, and and the third point tonight is a faulty motivation versus our ambition to play, to please God. Because we all motivated in some way, brethren, and and uh, some some folk are not as motivated as others. We understand that. You met folk like that, you know. Um, <clears throat> we talking about labor and working one day, and I heard a man say, "I ain't afraid of work. I can lay next to it and watch it all day." You know. Uh, some people don't have any more motivation than that. You know. Um, and there was a joke about one old fellow in our hometown. They said, that man's so lazy that if he was laying on a sack of potatoes and starving, he wouldn't get off of them and eat them. Uh, but, uh, some people just have very little, but, but, but brethren, we can be told and encouraged and pushed and prodded to do all the things that we mentioned, that's what a preacher's supposed to do, right? We do a lot of that exhorting and encouraging and, <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and trying to get us to, to win souls and know God and to be a servant and overcome sin in our life and to grow spiritually and to obey our Heavenly Father and to deny self and be willing to suffer and sacrifice. We try to do all of that, but we're not going to practice any of these things until out of a heart of loving gratitude we make it our ambition to please our Heavenly Father. That's what we need to do. If we make any of these others a goal in and of themselves, we're probably going to be frustrated. And I think sometimes that's why we are. People say, uh, you know, boy, I'm, I'm trying to win souls, Brother Green, and I just, I'm, I'm not. It, it just don't seem to be working. And and, and I'm just so frustrated at it. And, and, and so, well, maybe, brethren, if we make it our goal to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father, then he'll bless us in that regard. Jesus said, follow me and I will what? I will make you fishers of men. Christ will do the work through you. But we've got to be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And if we do that, my sincere belief, according to the scriptures that we're looking at, and we're going to look at some more, is that we, God, doesn't God work through people that are well-pleasing to him, brethren? I mean, you study the Bible, he can work through anybody. He works through his mortal enemies. He works through those who want to try to destroy his people. But, <clears throat> but he takes pleasure in working through his children. That, that that want to please him and that want to do his will. Brethren, let's face it, and you may have been there, maybe you're there now, but guilt and fear and duty, a sense of duty, they won't motivate you for long. Is there a certain kind of guilt we need to have if we sin? Yes. Is there a certain kind of fear or reverence we need to have especially for God? Yes. Um, is, do we have a duty to God? Yes, we do, but they're not going to motivate you for long. Continued guilt and fear only destroys the joy of your salvation, as the Bible says, and our confidence in God. Only a real love for God will enable us to persevere in doing God's will. That's what it's going to take. Not fear, not guilt, not duty. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you fear me, you'll keep my commandments. Or if you feel guilty, you'll keep my commandments. No, he said, If you love me. That's not a threat, brethren. That's just a matter of fact. He's saying in John 14, 15, If you love me you will keep my commandment. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, this is what the Apostle Paul says about that. For the love of Christ controls us. Some versions say compels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So it's the love of God that's going to motivate us, brothers and sisters, and give us the ambition that we need to please our Heavenly Father. And it is a love that compelled Paul to continually strive to please his Father, even though it meant great suffering and sacrifice in order to do that. So then, here's the obvious question, right? Which I would think would be obvious as we're talking about. How do we please him then? If our ambition is to be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father, how do we please him? Brothers and sisters, you make pleasing God your ambition, and you'll learn how. You'll learn how. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to give you a, 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 you know, well, just kind of a soft answer over here. Not at all. Uh, you know, a guy falls in love with a particular girl, and if he's smart, he's going to study that girl, and he's going to discover her likes. He's sure going to discover her dislikes. Young people, let me tell you right now. Just on the side, okay? This is free. When you get married, you're going to come in from work one day. You're going to be in a really good mood. And your wife's going to be sitting on the couch and she's going to give you a look that's going to just, if she had knives, it'd be cutting your throat. And you're going to say to her, What's wrong, baby? What's wrong, sugar? And she's going to say, Nothing. And don't you walk away. Don't you do it. You just go ahead and sit down beside her and say, Oh, sweetie, whatever I've done wrong, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, okay? You just go ahead and learn that, guys, okay? A guy's going to get to know what his girl likes and dislikes if he really wants to please her. So we've got to study God, brothers and sisters. That's why a continuing study of his word is imperative. I can't give a single answer to this question. A lot of people want that. A lot of people want the list, right? What things do I need to do that I can check off and say, okay, I've, I've done these and they're pleasing to God. We can't do that, brothers and sisters, because it involves a complete lifestyle. It is our whole way of living. And, and so it involves keeping his commands and, and loving obedience to him and becoming like him and sharing him with others, brothers and sisters. It, in, it involves all these things that we're talking about. But the Bible does say this, it begins with faith, right? Hebrews eleven six tells us that. You're very familiar with it. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we're talking about wanting to make it our ambition, as Paul says, to be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father. We've got we to have faith in him because the, the, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So it begins with faith, but it certainly doesn't end there because Paul tells the church at Colossae this in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to praise for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is part of his prayer for the church. Listen to the rest of this prayer. And that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in some ways. In all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. All those are part of pleasing him brothers and sisters, and he said, you know what? <clears throat> we want to do that. We want to please God in all respects, as far as we can in a human way. Jesus said, I always pleased my Heavenly Father. He was perfect. We're in the flesh. We won't please him always and in all respects, but that's our goal, and that's Paul's prayer, and if you do that, brothers and sisters, we're going to bear fruit, as it says there. We're need to. we going to increase in the knowledge of God. Well, then he tells the, the church at Thessalonica in chapter 4, verse 1, Finally, then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus at that as you have received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. Paul said, y'all are doing a good job in pleasing your Heavenly Father. You, you are walking in that way. You do do that. But now, go to the next level, okay? <coughs> excel even more. Hebrews 13, 16, the author says this. Do not neglect doing good and sharing. You say, what can I do to please God? These are some of the things he gives. Do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices. God is pleased. Brethren, whatever we do, we need to do it in such a way and do the things that's going to please our Heavenly Father. And the flip side of that, of course, is stay away from the things that we know will not be pleasing to him. That would be disappointing to him. So my answer in how do we we please God, it's a lifestyle, brethren. It's a complete way of life. It's not something that you can do just willy-nilly and and, and have a little list of things you mark off, okay? Now let me conclude. This is kind of a short lesson, wasn't it? Man, I ought to exhort some more. Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. I put down Hebrews, didn't I? I'm sorry, brethren. That's probably, that's my mistake. I do make mistakes like that. It, it is Hebrews, uh, Romans 8, 5 through 8, not Hebrews. Hebrews 8 is good, but it doesn't pertain to our lesson tonight. So if you would please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, 5 through 8 tells us this as we conclude. Paul is talking about folk in the world. And folk in Christ. Folk who have God's spirit in them. Folk who do not. And he talks about their different lifestyles. And this is what he says. In Romans 8. Beginning of verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh. That's those out in the world. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit. The things of the spirit. That makes sense brothers and sisters. If someone is not in Christ. They are naturally, for the most part, unless some folk are working on them or God himself is working on them, they're not thinking about spiritual matters, okay? They're thinking about the world and the things of the world and wanting to live according to the flesh, as he said. That's where they set their minds, on the things of the flesh. And, and But those who are according to the spirit, they set their mind, he says in verse five, 5, on the things of the spirit. That makes sense. If you claim to be a Christian, then you ought to be doing the things that are spiritual and not fleshly. Verse six, he says, "For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace." That's also very plain for those that understand God and His sacrifice that He made for us. The mindset on the flesh, as long as you remain a person, remains there, as long as they remain in the world, as long as they remain in the fleshly condition, uh, they, that is death, spiritual death. They're going to spend an eternity in hell. The Bible says that. Now, it doesn't have to. There's good news here. But, but the mind that is there and remains there, it's going to be death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And, and, and if you have to have, if, if you got to choose between the two, and really we do, brethren, which would we rather have? Death, which is an eternal death in hell, or life and peace with the Lord for an eternity? Verse 7, he explains the situation here. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It is, brethren, for it does not subject itself to the will of God, for it is not even able to do so. Now because of that, verse 8, and those who are in the flesh can not please God. Brethren, I hear so many people try to walk the line there. Do you you talk to people like that? Well, preacher, I'll admit to you I'm not really what you would call a Christian. And I'm I know I don't live right, and I know I don't live according to the 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 Lord, but you know I I I love the Lord and 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 I I try to please him. No, friend, I'm not being unfriendly, and I'm not being unkind. This is what the Bible says. If your mind is set on the flesh, you cannot be well pleasing to God. Ladies, if, you're, if your boyfriend was to come in one day and say, Honey, I really love you, but I got two other women on the side I love too. And and I'm going to be spending some time with them also like I would with a regular girlfriend. You girls are going to say, Oh, that's fine, right? No, 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 no. Brethren, the mindset on the flesh, it says here, cannot. That is emphatic in the Greek. It cannot, please God. You cannot do that. Okay? Now, now, um, brethren, there are, there are things. I've heard people sometimes... Talk about a lady was talking about her grown son one day who was really, really deep in sin and had been in trouble with the law and everything. And and I was encouraging her, asking what I could do to help him get back to the Lord. And she said, "Oh, he's okay." She said, "He's just a worldly Christian right now." This the, this doesn't leave room for that in this text, does it? He said, "You're of the spirit, you're of the flesh. There's no worldly Christian. You, you can't go out in the world and and live like the devil." and according to the flesh, and be well-pleasing to God. We can't do that, brothers and sisters. So our ambition should be to be well-pleasing to God. And so, brethren, we need to understand, and friend, you need to understand that that, uh, you need to be in Christ. Romans 8-1 tells us that those who are in Christ, uh, there is no condemnation for them. The flip side of that, of course, if you're not in Christ, you are condemned to a devil's hell for an eternity unless you take advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made and the death that he died for you on that cross so you can be saved. And and you need to be willing to repent of your sins and confess Jesus to be your Lord and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. And what do you do? What do you do once you do that? You arrive at that watery grave of baptism to walk in newness of life Brand new Christian, born again, added to the Lord's church, on your way to heaven. And so you say, I've got to live this Christian life now. What should I do? Make it your ambition to be well-pleasing to God and everything else to work out fine. Because when we make that our ambition, we're going to do everything in our power and with God's help to please our heavenly Father. That's the lesson today. If you want to be well-pleasing to God, you've got to be in Christ. If you're not there, get there. Get there today while we stand and sing.